Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful and uh, I'm kind of emotionally spent, I think. I was crying the whole first service, before service, after service. Uh, I was crying even using the restroom. I know that's kind of probably too personal, but I'm just like crying, messed up. Uh, I, I, first of all, let me just thank, thank our leaders, uh, Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila and Pastor Josh. Of course, Pastor Keela and Pastor Whitney, the whole family. But we have, we have probably the most incredible leaders on the face of the earth. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, I celebrate 26 years of ministry next month on the 14th. Uh, eight years ago, eight years ago, I came here uh, with, a, with a broken heart. Uh, I've been in ministry, worked a lot of different ministries, some really big churches, and just had a heart to do something big for God and just a heart to serve God and give God everything I had. And I came here, and uh, my wife and me, we just really love this place. We love how Pastor Keith just even speaks as a father, as a spiritual leader, as a leader of leaders, and how Pastor Sheila will just love you, and she'll be able to pull out what she needs to pull out of you to help you get better, and just really just all of that. And we came here, and we were heartbroken looking for healing. And uh, I had traveled for 14 years on the road full time and uh, made, made, just traveled the world, 42 different countries and everywhere, and just traveling as a communicator, as a preacher, as a preaching the gospel, and, and I got hurt along the journey. And Pastor Keith came up to me and my wife. We had a car parked underneath the Porta Cache out this way, and he came up to us, and we were kind of in the car. We were going through it in that season. Hearts were hurt. We were frustrated, upset about some stuff that had happened, but we were trying to work through it the best we could, the best of our understanding at that moment. And Pastor Keith gave us a word from heaven. He said, the thing is not about the thing, but everything is about everything. And when he gave us that word, there was a sense of that God behind the scenes is working everything out. You just got to trust the process. You just got to trust the journey. And I want to say this because Pastor Keith is not only a, 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 a spiritual father, but he is one of the spiritual fathers besides my own dad that I've allowed into my heart. In order to have a spiritual father, you've got, you, you've got to allow them into your heart to help you, to nurture you, to build you up, to call things out of you that maybe you don't see yourself doing. And Pastor Sheila, the same thing. My mom and dad were here on the first service, and they were on the front row. They came from Tulsa just to celebrate us this morning and celebrate with pastors. But two of the greatest men in my life was, of course, my father. He's been a great man. God changed his life forever. You maybe don't know his story, but God healed him, uh, set him free from addiction and, and, and in and out of jail, prison, the whole nine yards. And the second greatest man I've ever met in my life has been Pastor Keith Kraft. And I say that to say this today. This has been the most beautiful place me and my family have ever been a part of. And I'm so grateful that we still get to be a part of it. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Keith, Pastor Sheila. I love you all very much. Pastor Sheila, even this last couple of years, you've become a mother to me. And so I thank you. Thank you very much. I love you all very much. Love you, Pastor Josh. Okay. Love you, Elevate. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, so let me pray. God, right now in the next few minutes, I pray that, that you would just speak through me. Use me as a vessel. God, I pray that I would hide behind the cross and that you would get all the glory, all the honor, because it's all about you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that this is the day, that this is the day that we can stop right now and we just thank you that 
We're alive, we're healthy, we're strong. You woke us up this morning. God, there's some people that went to bed last night that did not have the privilege to wake up, but Lord, we woke up. Our heart is beating, blood is running through our veins, our mind is sharp, alert. God, I just thank you, Lord, that you're orchestrating everything that needs to be orchestrated right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, the title of my message this morning, I'm just going to speak for the next 20 minutes, and I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Keith. But for the next 20 minutes, I just want to try to give you a thought. Uh, the, the big thought of the message uh, is really, the title of it is really kind of my big thought. The title of my message is Go the Distance. Go the Distance. We live in a world today where a lot of people don't want to go the distance. A lot of people just want the shortcut. They just want the quick fix. They want the microwave. 30 seconds, it's done. We don't live in a world where people really uh, like the journey, but it's in the journey that we become who God wants us to become. It's in the process that it's, it's, it's in that part of that process, that journey, that we develop some skill sets, some mindsets, some tool sets to be the man or the woman that God's called us to be. But we have to embrace the journey and we have to lean into it. We have to go the distance. If you look up the word go the distance, here's some quick thoughts for you about kind of the definition, kind of what that encapsulates. It means this. Continue to run until the end. Finish the race. Stay the course. See it through. Complete it. Another way of saying go the distance is go the second mile. Now, the reason why I like this is because this has been a life lesson for me. This has been a lesson that I've learned in this house. You know, let me just stop real quick and say this. Ladies and gentlemen, my dad was just here. He's been pastoring for 37 years. I walked him out to the parking lot right before second service. This is what he said to me. He said, you have changed. You have gone to another level. Now, the only reason those things can happen. Now, that's my natural father. The only reason that can happen is because you have to embrace the second mile. You have to embrace the distance. You have to go with the journey. A lot of times we want to take the elevator and we don't want to take the stairs. But it's in the development of the stairs that develops what you need for the journey. And a lot of times what we do is we, 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 we give up too early. And so Jesus shows up on the scene. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, he shows up on the scene. There's a bunch of religious people, a bunch of people there to hear the good news of Jesus, his good news that he's bringing. He shows up on the scene, and this is what he says. He says, if someone compels you to go the second mile, go with him no, someone compels you to go the first mile, go with him the second mile. Now, this messed up people. Can you imagine? Jesus is sitting there. He's, everybody's saying that he's the son of God. He's saying he's showing up to do his father's work. All of a sudden, he's preaching, and then he tells everybody that's underneath Roman law, underneath a law that says if a Roman citizen asked you to carry their bags, you had to stop what you're doing in the middle of your busy day, you had to pick up their bags and carry it for one mile. Jesus shows up and he's messing people's minds up. He's saying this, if they ask you to go one, go with them too. This is a different thought process. This is a different way of thinking. What do you mean, Jesus, if they ask me to go one mile, you're asking me to go two miles with them? There's something very special about this. Let me just say it like this. The second mile is a blessing mile for you. It's not for them. The second mile helps you fulfill your dreams, your vision, your call, and your life. The first mile under law is obligation. The second mile is opportunity. 
We have opportunity on this second mile to become something, to develop something, to become who God wants us to become. Pastor Keith says this, anything that could be possible that is impossible will require you to leave your comfort zone. William Ward said this, adversity causes some men to break, others to break records. Jim Rowan said this, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Zig Ziglar said there's no traffic in the second mile. Napoleon Hill says one of the most important principles of success is developing the habit of going the second mile. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning I want to encourage you to go the distance. Go the distance in your life. The word, the word compel means this. It means a readiness. It means a willingness. It means I'm alert. I have a mindfulness. I know what's required of me. When I show up in the room, the room doesn't stay normal. We've heard this in this house. This is a message from our spiritual father. We don't want normal. I don't want normal marriage, normal finances, normal car, normal home. I don't want a normal uh, kids. I don't want a normal operation. No, we, we've heard this. So what happens is, if this, this is so powerful because I have a readiness, a mindfulness. If someone's requiring me, I walk into a room, not is the room going to stay normal because who God put in me, my 1% DNA difference. Pastor Keith says it all the time, you have a fingerprint that no one else has to leave an imprint that no one else can. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen, when I show up in the room, the room is not going to be normal. It's not that I think I'm something special. It's not that I think I'm all that, bag of chips, whatever. No, it's the God in me, the confidence, the, the confidence. When I show up, guess what? The room is not going to be normal. Why? Because I've elevated my thinking, so therefore my life elevates. And a lot of times we wonder why the room remains the same is because we forgot to elevate our thinking. We wonder why everything kind of stays flatlined. See, the, the, Jesus shows up on the scene and he says this, hey, guys. I'm asking you to go the first mile, but if they compel you to go the first mile, go with them the second. Now watch this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41 says, whoever, it doesn't say a Roman citizen, it says whoever, that's the words they use, whoever asks you to go one mile, go with them two. This right here is probably one of the hardest things to understand as a leader, as a warrior, as a Christ follower. We can do this, but to get there requires us to take a step of faith. It requires us to have momentum. You will never get there unless you take a step. We can talk about the second mile. We can preach about the second mile. We can tell people to give extra. Listen, by the way, this, if you want extra in life, you've got to give extra. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. You can't ask God to do something where you have not sown into. God, I need this breakthrough. But have you been a breakthrough for somebody else? God, I need this in my marriage. Have you helped somebody else? Now, God will do whatever he wants to do, but I'm telling you, there's a principle behind the second mile. A lot of times, we just get comfortable with the first mile. Jesus is saying, hey, if they ask you to go one, go with them two. There's a miracle that happens from this mile to this mile. There's a process. I like to say it like this. The process for me is I become more spiritually aware of what God wants from me in my life as a Christian, as a, as a, as a believer. Now, not only is there a process, but watch this. It requires me, it requires me to prepare. So I have to prepare. What am I preparing? Let me just, preparation is never a waste of time. Preparation is never wasted. What am I doing? I'm preparing myself as I'm walking. God's developing some things in me. Then I have to persevere. 
I have to persevere. But once I persevere, guess what? There's a massive payoff. So if you didn't catch that, there was four Ps right there. The process, I'm in a process. Then I, I have to prepare myself as I'm in this process. And then as I process, guess what? Most of the time when we hit a process, we go back. But I'm going to persevere. I'm going to push through. And then there's a payoff in mile two. Now watch this. Jesus shows up and he says all this stuff. He says, go the distance. In other words, go the second mile. This is so interesting to me because you will never find anybody at the second mile that hasn't paid a great price. The second mile, I said, is the, the second mile is this. We miss the opportunity most of the time because it's difficult. But if we can embrace the difficulty, we can have a great outcome in life. Most people will miss it because it's too hard. It's too much. I like this. I love what Pastor Key says. Wherever you go, there you are. How you do anything is how you do everything. I love that because here's the deal. We are not just average folk. We are not just, you know, uh, uh, even kill Christians. No, we are warriors in this house. There's a tribe of people that love God, that serve God, that we're about it. We make things happen. I, I'm, I'm so inspired by that. Listen to this. I, I, let me just read a couple things to you real quick this morning. I want to skip around real quick because I want to share a story with you. The second mile inspires people. The second mile has the power to make a difference in someone's life. The second mile is the secret sauce. The second mile is what I like to call the smile mile. Because guess what? You can't have a bad attitude from mile one to mile two. My mama used to say the only thing good about a bad attitude is you can always change it. That's the only good thing. But this is what I call the smile mile. You, you got to smile here. You got to embrace it. You got to have perseverance. You got to have grit. You got to push through. Man, it's going to require a different me. Jesus is showing up and he's telling these folks this. The second mile is the victory mile. The second mile is the favor mile. The second mile is the miracle mile. There's no complainers on the second mile. There's no fault finders on the second mile. There's no bleeders on the second mile. There's no whiners on the second mile. There's no needers on the second mile. There's no quitters on the second mile. There's no procrastinators on the second mile. There's no haters on the second mile. The reason why there's no haters on the second mile is because this. You won't be criticized by anyone doing more than you. It's likely someone doing less than you. On the second mile, you'll find winners. On the second mile, you'll find hope dealers. On the second mile, you'll find pace setters. On the second mile, you'll find leaders. On the second mile, you'll find energy producers. On the second mile, you'll find life givers. On the second mile, you'll find multipliers. On the second mile, you'll find servant le uh, leaders. And what we say in this house, Pastor Keith has said it a thousand times, if not more, what you'll find in the second mile is I can do type of people. That's why we got to be second mile kind of people. In 2021, my sister, who was here in the first uh, service, she had a massive seizure on December the 14th, 2021. They rushed her to St. Francis Hospital on 61st and Garnett there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They got her in there the next day. They did a brain scan. I've got a picture of the brain scan. The doctors came back on December the 15th. And the next one, guys, there's another one. Came back on December the 15th. There's one, this one right here is kind of blurry, but if you can look on this side, you'll see a white mass, a massive mass on her brain. It caused her to have a seizure. Immediately they went in and they were trying to figure out what this was all about. Now, 
Uh, she's a pastor, her and her husband, pastor, uh, North Star uh, ch Church in Glenpool, Oklahoma. They have two little girls. And all of a sudden, she's in the hospital. On December the 17th, they do a biopsy to find out what mass this is. Now, let me just stop here real quick. First mile is giving your life to Jesus. First mile is just going to church. Second mile is trusting that God can do a miracle in your life. Second mile is believing that God can do a, a healing power work and he can, he can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. They came back 21 days later. But in this 21 days, she was just believing God, just believing God. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm healed. I'm, I'm, I'm free of this mass. 21 days later, she gets a call from the Cancer Research Center, and they said, hey, listen, it's inoperable. Two things you don't want to hear, two phrases. It's inoperable and it's cancerous. Nobody wants to hear that. Immediately, what do you do? A lot of people will stay right here with one mile. I guess that's what it's going to be. I guess that's how I'm going to live my life. The doctor said it was inoperable. You can't get to it. There's no way. Now I've got to go through all this treatment. Hopefully it will shrink. Hopefully something will dry up. Hopefully something will happen. But then there's a different style of people. They're the second mile leaders. They're the, they're the warriors of Elevate Life Church. They think a little bit differently. I appreciate the report of the doctor. But I got a report from the great physician. He rules the universe. He sits on the throne. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the god of the universes and the heavens. And he made me perfectly according to Psalms 139. I'm created in his image. So therefore, there's something different. No, I'm going to take the step of faith. My belief plus my action will get my result what I want. I'm trusting that God's going to heal my body. I don't know how it's going to happen. They told me it was inoperable. They told me it was brain cancer. A lot of people don't even have a percent to live. They give me a, a negative uh, lifespan. But through a friend, through a friend, through another friend. That's why alignment is so powerful. That's why you got to make relationships. You got to come and you got to get connected. You got to take that next step. You got to get in a group. You got to join a class. You got you got to get plugged in. There's an alignment that happens. There's a there's an infusion that takes place that now it's not just you, but now it's the tribe. Now it's a part of the team. I love that. You know, when I was a kid, we always thought we were bad when we had our friends. You show up to the park and you got four or five of your buddies, you fight anybody. You show up by yourself like, "Hey guys, how you doing? God bless you." <laughs> yeah, let's be friends. Oh, you weren't talking that way last weekend. But you know what? When you got a tribe, you walk a little differently. You believe a little differently. You carry yourself a little differently. All of a sudden, through a friend, through a friend, they found the number two brain doctor in America. He actually officed out of Oklahoma City, an hour and a half from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Watch this. They did an appointment, and the guy says, I'm pretty sure... I can get everything out. Three other doctors in Tulsa said it was inoperable. He said, let me just figure it out. Give me a day or two. A week and a half later, she's in the room. Show the next slide, the, the one that had the hole. They went in there. They pulled the mass, the cancerous mass out. They got every bit of it. This was her scan last week. Show the last one. She came back. She's cancer free. They got everything. Here, here, here's what I'm trying to say. You give your life to Jesus here, but you got to trust him here that he's a good God. 
that he's going to take care of you. This is the second mile. This is, where, this is where a lot of people, they miss it from this mile to that mile. And a lot of times the enemy comes in, and this is what he does. He, he, he basically says, hey, just stop. Stop living for God. Stop going to church. Stop serving. Stop giving. Stop being generous. Stop being honorable. Stop, stop being that kind of person. No one cares. And, and the devil lies to many of us, and we got this stop sign in our face. It's a stop sign. And then what happens is if you look at this thing backwards, because I'm dyslexic, so I read it backwards, it says pot. What happens is you get planted because you stop and you become a pot. Well, God ain't never told you to be a pot. He told you to go. So hold on. I'm, some of y'all didn't catch that because y'all ain't dyslexic. <laughs> you don't want to be a pot. P-O-T-S. You don't want to be a bunch of pots just sitting here soaking up in a soil. God wants you to go. As a matter of fact, two-thirds of God is what? Go. So God says, don't just stop here. Keep going to mile two. And then guess what? Let's go to mile three. Let's keep going. Let's go to mile four. Come on, let's go. Let's go to mile five. Let, let's go all the way to the top. Let's not stop. Let's be those kind of people. But we get so twisted up when something negative happens in our life. There's some controllables and some uncontrollables. Pastor, this, this ain't my, these are things I've learned in this house. This is the language of this house. This will be my language for the rest of my life. Guess what? I'm not going to stop serving God. I'm not going to stop being generous. I'm not going to stop giving. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop trusting. Listen, I'm going to go the distance, not just in my, not in my own spiritual journey, but I'm going to go the distance in my marriage. I'm going to go the distance in my business. I'm going to go the distance in my life. I'm going to go the distance with my kids. I'm going to go the distance with, 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 with my friends. I'm going to go the distance in my church. And this is what happens. We've got to go the distance. Jesus shows up and says, if they ask you to go one, go with them too. This is so powerful. There's a story in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 19. It's, a, it's about a man who they call a young ruler. He's a ruler of many things. And uh, he shows up in Jesus' teaching. And he walks up to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, what should I do to, in to inherit eternal life, to have everlasting life? What should I do? This guy shows up. He's a, he's, a, he's a young entrepreneur. He's got a lot happening for him. He's doing really well. Man, things are moving and popping for him. And Jesus says, no one calls. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. But if you want to enter into life, obey the commandments. The young man said, yeah, I've done all these things. See, this is obeying the commandments. I've done all these things since I was a kid. Honor my mom and dad. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, uh, be a good person, love myself, love my neighbor. Yeah, that, that, then Jesus looks at him and is like, hmm, you're still missing it. You're still missing it. Yeah, obeying the commandments is good, but following me is where it's at. Jesus says this to him. He says, okay, you've done all these things since you were a little boy, but if you want to enter into life and have life everlasting, Take what you have, just give it all away, and come follow me. See, that second mile, it, it, Jesus wasn't telling the man really to go home and have a tag sale, have a garage sale, but Jesus saw the most important thing in the man's heart. It was his stuff. See, Jesus has to be number one. 
That's why when Pastor Keith and Pastor Josh talked about last week, last week, putting God first in your life, seeking God's kingdom, being a kingdom-minded person, that, that, that's the difference right here. A lot of times we'll, we'll obey the laws. Oh, I'm, I'm a good person. I'll fist bump you, high-five you. Hey, hallelujah, God bless you. I'll do all that. That's easy. But now what you want from me is you want me to put you first in every area of my life? Ugh, Lord, you're asking a lot from me right now. That's why the Bible says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I pick up my cross daily and I follow Jesus. All of a sudden, he looks at the, he looks at the, appreciate it. He looks at the, that's one of my dogs up there. <laughs> he looks at the, he looks at the young man and he goes like, hey, come follow me. I, I, think, I think in that passage right there, Three of the greatest words Jesus spoke. Come, follow me. We can say it like this. Go the distance. Now watch this. When the young man heard it, though, this is what the Bible says. He was so sad that he turned his back on the Son of God. And here's three of the saddest words. Look at this phrase. It's in the New King James. He walked away. Here's another way to say it. He gave up. How many times do we give up between mile one and mile two and we just walk away? When Jesus is saying, hey, one mile is good, but go two miles. Go all the way. I had the privilege to travel with my dad for some time. Um, my dad used to do crusades around the world. And one particular time in 2004, we did this crusade in Gunny Eve, Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Less than uh, the average person lives, less than a lives on less than a dollar a day. And on one side of the island is Dominican, really beautiful. On the other side of the island is Haiti. Haiti is very poor, very desolate. And part of that is because in the 1700s, they dedicated that, that side of the island to Satan, to the devil. Matter of fact, in the city of Gunna Eve, there's a massive 12-foot statue of the devil. My dad gets me, gives me a call and says, hey, I want to do a crusade. In the city of Gornavive, they just had this massive uh, typhoon that just came through. Uh, thousands of people are dead. Thousands are misplaced. There's, there, there's, there's, there's nothing happening. The French UN is there. Uh, they speak Creole, so French came in, and they were trying to put order and civil unrest to everywhere. And I want you to come with me. And there's going to be a total of eight of us. We're going to do a mission trip. So I land in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and I land, and I'll never forget walking through the airport. I jump on this little tap-tap. It's a little bus, they call it, and I got on this little tap-tap, and they, we drove with, like, four other missionaries, and my dad was already there. And, man, it was like a six-hour drive. And I remember thinking, man, I hope this is, in my mind, I say, I hope this is worth it. I know he wants me to come, but, man, this is a long drive. You know, this is like six hours of bumps, and roads are washed out, and my back is hurting, and, and all of a sudden we show up, and, my dad's so happy to see me, and he's just like, man, we're going to reach a bunch of people. We're going we're gonna to preach the gospel right where the, the island of Haiti was dedicated to the devil, and it's going to be awesome. And he was so energetic and passionate about it, and I was like, cool, man, okay, great, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the first night, we had about 25,000 people. We got this massive stage, and there's a statue right behind us. I'm up there, and my dad just, get up here, break something, rip a phone book, blow up a hot water bottle. I'll never forget, I'm just up there, and nobody is dead silent. You know, all, all the beautiful Haitian people, they're just looking at me like, I don't know who this gringo is. I don't, know who this, I don't know who this guy is. And I'm up there, and I'm just giving it my all. And then 
we go to bed, and let me just tell you something. Because of the no electricity, the, because of the typhoon, there's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no food. My dad opens up the suitcase. It's missionary style, peanut butter and jelly and a loaf of bread. I'm like, this is crazy, man, peanut butter and jelly. And uh, even today, I don't even eat peanut butter and jelly. I think that messed me up. But um, so he got all this stuff in the suitcases, you know, peanut butter crackers, beef jerky. That was our meal for the next three and a half days. So we're, we're laying there. And it's pitch black, bucket, a five-gallon bucket of water to bathe ourselves, the whole nine yards. There's nothing. We're just there missionary work. I'm talking old-school missionary work. And we're laying there, and all of a sudden, somewhere around, I want to say 2, 2.30, my dad jumps up. And my dad's a, he's a, he's a big boy. He's, a, he's, he's, he's thick. He's, he's a big dude. He jumps up, and it startled me. And I said, Dad, what's wrong? He said, the devil's here. Now Listen. I'm thinking, Dad, I know you, you had some addiction back in the day. Maybe that's a, a, a reverse effect. Maybe, you, you know, there's some things. He goes, the devil's here. And it freaked me out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I've never seen my dad do that. I've seen my dad kind of come on glued sometimes, but he is like, he's intense. He's like, the devil's here. I'm like, oh, my goodness, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm just, you know, it's pitch black. I can't see nothing. I'm like, he goes, don't worry. I handled it. He goes, go back to sleep. I'm like, okay, I'll go back to sleep. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I'm in Haiti where they dedicated the, devil, the island to the devil and go back to sleep. I'm in this broke down house, whatever, this hotel, makeshift hotel, go back to sleep. Well, that evening, we didn't know this, but my dad, he didn't know how to articulate it, but he was just praying a spirit of protection over us as missionaries. That evening in the local villages around, they had heard that we were doing a gospel crusade there was a bunch of witch doctors that were coming to attack us that evening. And along the way, the French UN had certain security checks, and they stopped them from invading the hotel room. Let me just tell you something. Here's the deal. A lot of people said, don't go to Haiti. Don't go there. You've already, you've already done a good thing. But second-mile kind of faith, second-mile kind of believer, they said, no, there's a need. I'm going to meet the need. I'm not going to wait to be prayed about to meet the need. I love that about pastor. Pastor sees a need. He meets it. We ain't got to pray about it. Well, let's go ahead and do a Jericho march seven times around the church, and we'll see what God says. No, if there's a need, we step up as warriors. We meet the need. We're, we're those kind of people. And my dad had this need in his spirit that we need to get there. We need to preach the gospel. We need to feed these people. And all of a sudden, he didn't let anything stop him. He didn't let those, those witch doctors hold him back from going the second mile. Go the distance this morning. This has been a life message for me personally. Go the distance, no matter what it looks like, no matter where you're at in life. Go the distance. Never stop living for God. Never stop serving God. Never stop giving God your everything. Don't just come to church one point two times a month but be faithful to God's house watch God bless you one thing I've learned in this house if you take care of God's house God will take care of your house if you honor God God will honor you if you put God first God's gonna put you first that's one thing I know for a fact I've seen God's hand on my life in this house underneath Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila and Pastor Josh I've seen God work miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and God just did a miracle in my sister's life it's a true miracle she had brain cancer inoperable she got her last scan last week. Now she has to go once a year to get a scan. But God did a healing. Why? Because she went the distance with the Lord. 
Don't stop on your journey of faith. Don't give up. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on people. Don't give up. Believe the best even when the worst is displayed. Be an energy producer. Give it everything you got. Don't be one of those people that are just complaining and whining and griping and sitting on the bench. Well, someday I'll give my life right. Guess what? Someday is not Monday. It's not Tuesday. It's not Wednesday. It's not Thursday. It's not Friday. It's not Saturday. It's not Sunday. So someday is not a day of the week. You have right now, we have this very moment right now to get up and do something for Jesus. Someday will never come for most people. I got Monday. I got Sunday. I got, I got, that, that's my day. I'm getting up right now. I'm going to do something for God. God, I thank you, Lord, for this service. I thank you, Lord, for our leaders. We bless you today. I pray for every single person, Lord, that might be stuck at the first mile. I pray, God, that you will just reveal yourself so real and true in their life that they will go to the second mile. They'll be second mile kind of people, second mile kind of thought leaders, second mile kind of warriors, second mile kind of servant leaders. That Lord, they won't give up on the first mile, but they'll finish the race that you have set before them. Just like what Paul charged Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've ran the race. God, I just pray like today that we will run the race that you've set before us and not give up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.